Hey everybody, welcome back to Best Bad Bets. My name's Chris, and I'm here with Ethan as per usual. And today we're bringing you a mid-week uh, episode update, just because we didn't get through everything we wanted to talk about in our first episode this week. But uh, for the rest of this week, um, we're going to touch on a little bit of basketball as it's coming back, and we're also going to hit on UFC this week. I believe it is Brunson and Shabayas, Shabayas, something like that. Right, Ethan? Mm-hmm. That's correct. All right. That's correct. Um, so, Ethan, why don't you tell me a little, before we get into basketball and UFC and stuff, why don't you tell me a little bit about how we've been doing this week so far? So far. Yeah, so, Chris, we didn't actually have any plays on Monday because there's no soccer, and we're still taking the time to learn some baseball because you and I are pretty green to it in terms of the betting world. Um, we did take some soccer today. Uh, we did, we did okay. We went one one and one. Uh, we lost our bigger unit play unfortunately because for whatever reason Napoli could not find the back of the net. It hurt us, but it we one of Chris and I found a great juicy parlay uh, that we like nine teamer. Um, that, nine teamer that you know, unfortunately you missed out on the first two because we bet over one and a half goals in every Serie A game for this round except for the Spal Verona game. Just because Chris and I felt we could see Verona win one nil, uh, just because Verona hasn't looked that great and we know Spall's bad, uh, so we don't expect them to score. Um, so we took so we took that nine teamer. The first two hit in the Inter game and then the Atalanta game. So if you're willing to t- if you want to tail it, it's got great odds. Um, it was plus three hundred around there for Chris and I. Um, from the nine teamer, the seventeen is probably gonna be around plus two fifty. So still still gorgeous. And in Serie A, we always expect the goals. You always expect it. So. It's a great, it's a great parlay um, that we Chris and I added to our own uh, bet uh, betting betting list for the week. Uh, but you guys can definitely tail it if if you're listening to all our listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, love that um, seventeen parlay. That'll that's still pretty juicy in my book. But uh, at, anytime you're getting plus, anytime you're getting over plus two hundred, it's always juicy. Yeah, definitely agreed. But, um, so Ethan, I didn't have a lot to say about basketball this week, and I know you did a little bit more research on basketball and you're a little more familiar with it, so why don't you tell me about some of your favorite plays for, uh, for the NBA bubble this week? I only have two, really. Yeah, so, yeah, so like Chris said, um, before we started recording the podcast, my sports that I was betting were football and basketball. I was doing really well in basketball, doing amazing college basketball, but obviously that's not going to restart anytime soon. Um, we do get the NBA back, like Chris said. Um, so for the bubble, we have two games on the 30th, which is the Thursday, the first two games. First one is the Jazz and Pelicans. Um, and for me, I'm going to be looking at to bet a lot of unders uh, for the first games as teams try to get back their feet um, in terms of playing really competitive basketball. Yeah, we're seeing these scrimmage games, but te- some teams took the first game seriously, and then they're putting in a lot of scrubs. We saw the Sixers blow a 20-point lead um, to the Thunder because their bench – it was just a bunch of guys who don't compete with the Thunder bench, and the Thunder bench were hitting their shots. Um, whereas in a real game, the Sixers, Embiid, Simmons, and all them, Harris, Richardson, will all be playing a lot more quality minutes. But with this Jazz and Pelicans one, I actually like the over. Um, right now the over is at 218, and it's occurred in all three matchups this season uh, between the Jazz and Pelicans, and this line is going to be minus 110. And the good news is Zion is clear for the cleared the bubble. He cleared the COVID testing today. Um, so we'll have two practices uh, to see for him to get reacclimated with the team. Um, I don't expect him to start 
probably because he he missed a lot of quality time. But I do expect him to get some minutes because the Pelicans are fighting for that final eight spot, and it's it, it is within reach for them. Nice. So I love the over here in this one, uh, and the reason is because the total in all the games between them, Chris, has gone over two forty, and the lines at two eighteen. Oh yeah. So I mean, it, it, I, I expect it, and the over for the Pelicans before the bubble have been three out of their last five. Only one out of the last five for the Jazz, but the Pelicans are not good known for their defense. It's because they're they're a very young team. Uh, their their highest experienced player is JJ Redick, who is terrible defense, and then Drew Holiday, who is good defense, but you yeah don't really have any premier uh, guard, any premier center or forward um, who's uh, has that playoff experience. So I expect a lot of a lot of points in this one. But for the the other game, Chris on the thirtieth, it's complete opposite. It's between the Clippers and the Lakers, Battle of L.A., and I like the under 218 at minus 125 here. It's occurred in all three head-to-head matchups this season between the two teams. And like I said, this is beginning. You're expecting this is going to be opening day 2.0, so I expect much the same of low scoring. And the Lakers' last eight games, their 6 out of 2 have been under, and the last six games for the Clippers have been 5 out of 1 have hit the under. So I really like the under in this one as well. Um, I'm leaning the Lakers in this one as, in this terms of spread because they're a very good team for coverage of the spread. If they do it about 56% of the time, 54 to 56% of the time. Um, the reason is because the Clippers are also be without Harold, Lou Williams, uh, Pat Beverly, and those are three key guys off the bench. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Lou Will, unfortunately, hey, he's had to go get wings from his favorite from his favorite gentleman's club. You got got to respect the got to respect the player move, the big baller move, but. Uh, not going to help his Clippers, unfortunately, in this battle for in L.A. So I like the Lakers in this one. At least win it, but I, I'm leading the spread. But you got to get it soon because I'm seeing it jump from minus 1.5 to start to now minus 4.5. Uh, so if you really like the Lakers to cover the spread, you got to get it sooner than later. Nice, nice. And i got to say, I'm loving that analysis right there. You got, um, I think uh, the Clippers and the Lakers are both great teams, and I think we're going to see them hit the over here. Or, sorry, the under, I mean. <laughs> that didn't make any sense <laughs> at all, man. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna hop on to the next game. It's on the 31st. It's the Magic and the Nets. And I mean, basketball is not really my my forte, but here I'm telling you to fade the Nets. They're missing their whole core due to COVID. So hammer that Magic money line here. Chris, totally agree. Um, we've seen the the Nets. I think went 0 and 3 in their preseason, or 1 and 2. Um, because the third game didn't really matter for most teams because they were kind of just trying to rest their guys because most of these teams are fighting for the playoffs or already in the playoffs, so they're not trying to get anyone hurt as they get through like these eight warm-up regular season games for seeding purposes. Um, so I agree, Mets, uh, Magic Money Line minus 240 here. It's juiced for NBA standards, so I'm going to parlay this with something, and it's a perfect parlay uh, with the next game that I'm going to talk about. Oh, wait, before first, which is the, the Suns and Wizards. One of the next game. If you got like... If you're on like a DraftKings sportsbook or anything, this would be a, a perfect uh, game to throw on that promo bet. I think the promo is like make a $20 bet on any team to win their first game and have plus 500 odds. Great game right oh, here to do that. Take that all. Take that to the bank and don't even worry about it, Chris. Yep. That, I mean, that is, I that didn't is, like, do that. is essentially a lock. I had to roll with my Sixers there, but uh, that's another good game we'll hey, talk about. <laughs> I, I, hey, hey. Respect, respect the Philly, respect the Philly follow, but um. So yeah, Chris, like I said, uh, that minus two forty for the Magic, you gotta parlay that with something, unless you really want to pay for minus two forty in an NBA game, which I personally won't. Um, and this next game is the Suns versus the Wizards, and I like the Suns in this one. 
Saw the Suns win today. Uh, Michael Bridges, uh, the Philly native, looked amazing. Dropped 25 points. Had, I think he had eight rebounds and a couple dimes as well. He looked really good. But the reason I like the Suns here is the Suns are going to have their full roster where the Wizards are without Beal and Bertons, which we covered over our NBA preview uh, episode with with our, with our good with our good buddy Bryce, and this, those are the top two scorers. So you just have to fade the Wizards, like you're gonna fade the Nets. Um, like I said, the Suns money line is two ninety, so it's very heavily juiced. So parlay that with the Magic, and you're looking at a lot better value. I don't know what that parlay actually comes out to, um, but it's a very good value. Um, and then a prop bet I'm looking at is Devin Booker points in this one. He averages over thirty points per game against the Wizards. And that's his career. So without the top two scorers, um, you just have to be aware that Booker might get pulled early, um, just in case they get so far ahead that it's just like, why are we even playing Devin Booker anymore? Mm-hmm. And then another thing I like here is the under two twenty five and minus one ten. I like because Phoenix is fifty percent for over and under bets. Washington is a good over team, but at fifty nine percent, it's one of the highest in the NBA uh, before the bubble. But this is what you have to take this into account. They're not going to have their top two scorers anymore. So that 59% doesn't really mean a whole lot to me right now. Um, so that's why I like the under in this one. Washington, just, I just think Washington's got to be faded in, in all categories in terms of scoring and winning. Um, you know, look at them to possibly cover depending on the team they're playing. Uh, so maybe they could cover in the Suns one because they do have decent players in Rui Hachimura who we saw a ball out um, in the scrimmage games. But at the end of the day, money line, it's all on the Suns here. They're, they're, they're just a full healthy roster compared to the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, I it's hard to roll with the with the team who's missing the two best players, regardless of the sport. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't take the Eagles against the Redskins if they were missing Wentz, Wentz and Cox. You know what I mean? Actually, I still uh, I mean, might. If they're missing Wentz and we have Nick bad. Foles, I'm still riding with my Eagles, baby. <laughs> um. All right, yeah, but uh, back to basketball. Uh, tell me about this next one: the the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers. Yeah, Chris, so this one's a huge under matchup. Again, like I said, liking a lot of unders to start here as teams get back their feet wet in terms of playing full heavy minutes because in the scrimmage, a lot of players rested some games. Um, the under is only hit, hit in the only matchup so far this season, so it has happened in the past this year. Grizzlies hit under 54% of the time, which is one of the highest in the NBA. Portland is a high-scoring team, but with the addition of Nurkic and Collins, not going to line up, I think it's this team will take a game or two before they really hit their offensive stride um, in terms of playing against really tough opponents. And this is also going to have a playoff atmosphere and a playoff game because the Trailblazers are fighting for that eighth and final spot, and right now the Grizzlies have it. So the Blazers need this win uh, more than ever to be able to get any any closer, closer to even have a chance of winning that for that eighth, final eighth spot in the playoffs. Uh, so this is going to be a really tight game. I think it's going to be really back and forth. I think it's going to be a great game. This is probably my highlight of this card of games, besides maybe the Celtics Bucks or Rockets Mavericks, but in terms of like really heavy playoff implications, this is my favorite game to watch on the 31st, Chris. Nice. And I actually threw a parlay a couple weeks ago on the Grizzlies, and I don't even remember who else, but I need them to make that eighth seed. <laughs> so it's, hopefully. It's probably the Grizzlies and Nets, because the eight spots between the Magic and Nets, and once the Magic win like two games and the Nets lose two, it's over uh, for the Nets. Um, I mean, which is a great parlay. I think Bryce said he got it like plus 105 or something. Yeah, I got it. Um, crazy juice. So, I mean, I, I I think the Grizzlies will get that finally spot. Don't get me wrong. I just think this is going to be a really tough game. 
uh, for both these teams and really good playoff game, and I'm very excited for it. Nice. All right, so we have two more days of basketball. Why don't you tell me about the first uh, Jazz and Thunder? Yeah, Chris, so the Thunder, which most people did not expect us going into the season because they traded away Paul George. Uh, we expected them to have a really down year. They're the best team against the spread, and they cover 63% of the time. Um, and they've also covered both times against the Jazz this season. The spread right now is minus 1 at minus 110 on the Thunder, uh, but it's essentially a pick-up game because um, worst case is you push if the Thunder win by 1. Um, as, and the money line is minus 115, so I'd rather take the spread here because it's essentially a push for me. Uh, worst case scenario, if they do win, and only by one point. So all over the Thunder in this one, uh, the Thunder are going to be healthy. Um, the Jazz are missing Bogdanovich, who is one of their top scorers on their team uh, as of right now. So I all over the Thunder on this one. I just think the Thunder are a really sound team. I also like the Thunder to win uh, over four games in the bubble for their eight games total. So I think this is a good one for the Thunder here. And I like the under a lot in this one at under 212.5 at minus 110. I'm going to both games between these two teams, and the last meeting was under 206.5. And when this being the Jazz's second game, um, but it'll be the Thunder's first game, I expect the Jazz to be a little tired because it's going to be a lot of games back and forth. They mm-hmm. fit these eight games in before we get to the playoffs. Um, so we can try to stick to a schedule where the NBA can stay on track to be able to start the next season on time. Um, so I think the Jazz will be a little tired because they're playing the high-powering offense of the new, of the Pelicans. So this is going to be a lot more slower pace of a game. Uh, so I, I really like the under here just because of the pace of these two teams as well. But all over the Thunder and all over the under in this one, Chris. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about that game. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, I'll kind of talk about this next one a bit. It's the Sixers and the Pacers. And like I said before, I'm throwing, I'm throwing on the Sixers here. But uh, just because uh, they're from Philly. And uh, that's where I'm from. So... Uh, Rocking with the, rocking with the boys. I love the analysis. <laughs> just go big or go home. Precise analysis, Chris. Um, but you're exactly right. You gotta go with the money line in this one for the Sixers. Um, we'll look to win to move ahead of the Pacers in the standings, uh, to give us a better spot in the standings. Uh, and then also the Pacers are without Sabonis, uh, who left the boot, uh, left the bu- the bubble, left the bubble uh, with a foot injury. Um, so I'm expecting him to be defeased as long as he is active, which he should be because he's rested the last two games to make sure he is healthy for when we play these final eight games. Um, so I'm considering his points and rebound totals as prop bets, but I'm taking the Sixers over here with Horford, Simmons, and Embiid all now playing in the front in in the front court. I expect them all to feast without Sabonis. They just don't have that premier uh, front court guy. Miles Turner's there, but he's kind of like he's compared to Sabonis, he's it's nowhere the same. Gotcha. All right, bring me home now. We're on the last three games on uh, August 2nd. Tell me about them. Yeah, Chris, so I got three games on this one. The first one's easy. It's the depleted versus the depleted, so battle of the depleted. It's the Wizards versus the Nets. Um, so I'm just going to like the under in this yeah. one, uh, with both teams being devastated by injury or sit-outs. Um, so I'm just going to look at the under here and not, take it, not worry about a side. Um, there is no lines for these games yet because uh, we're so far ahead in terms of where – NBA is because NBA starts on Thursday, so there's no line for this one. Um, but I'm most likely going to like the under in this one in that game. The next one is the Spurs versus Grizzlies, and I'm taking the Grizzlies to win. Uh, Spurs will be without their their best player in Aldridge. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge is not playing in the bubble, so I expect the Grizzlies to capitalize on a weakened team to keep their lead in the standings for their final spot in the playoffs. And also, 
the head coach of the Spurs, Greg Popovich, one of the best coaches of all time, has said he's looking to get young guys uh, some time. And what that means is it's something you take into account when you're playing in the preseason, where like you're seeing a lot of the G League guys, a lot of the guys are like they think can develop into these premier talents, get minutes that way they can see how they handle against uh, top NBA talent. And in effect, when you're doing that against a team that's playoff ready, and you're doing that in a game that matters, I'm not gonna. You can't back the team anyway. I would I would never suggest anyone to back that team at all. Um, so like the Grizzlies to win this game here. I only get John Morant's assist totals because I expect him to give Jaron Jackson a lot of a lot of dishes for him to have a monster game since he'll be going into weaker forwards as centers compared to Aldridge because the Spurs just are without um, they're without Aldridge and I also believe they're without Jacob Podol, uh who's their backup who's the backup to Aldridge so if cool. they're without their one and two there it's it's game over for the Spurs yeah that's rough stuff but uh onto this last game uh Bucks and the Rockets man who are you taking here yeah so. This is this is easy one for me, Chris. Uh, Bucks should win this game as the Rockets move to small ball, um, so they're not going to have anyone to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo um, because they, their center is Paul T- is uh, PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, he's 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 a good height. He's I think he's like six four. That's nowhere close to Giannis. <laughs> I mean, so I'm just expecting Giannis to go in. I'm going to hammer Giannis's points, hammer his rebound totals. Um, but I'll first have to see how much he plays in this first, in the first game, uh, because in the first game when they play the Celtics, because the Bucks they're not going to lose that first spot. It's pretty much theirs. I expect them to kind of rest some players, um, in terms of to get keep, keep that fresh and healthy for the playoffs. Um, that's just kind of my worry a little bit for a lot of these teams that are kind of locked into their positions. Is are they going to fully play their lineups? So you're going to have to look to see how they handle the first couple games in the bubble, uh, just to understand more of how the coaches are going to play their rosters. Right. <clears throat> uh, I don't have much to add to that, so uh, how about we just hop right into UFC? Let's do it, Chris. I mean, I know you're you're you took a lot more fights on UFC. It seemed like you liked a lot more of the card on UFC. So hit me with your first fight that yeah, you liked. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so at the time I was making this, the first fight was Jamal Emers and Timur Valev. But since then, I believe a new fight has been added. But I'm I'm not 100 percent sure of who's fighting in it. But, um, I can tell you so one second. If we look at this first fight, it's the first fight in the UFC for Timur Valev. Um, I still wouldn't underestimate him. He's 16-2. and uh, Another Dagestan fighter. And I feel like we see a lot of Dagestan fighters in the UFC, and they're all very good. Um, but he does have a very large reach disadvantage in this fight. So Emers has a 74-inch reach advantage. No, sorry, not a 74-inch reach advantage. His reach is 74 inches, <laughs> and Timur is 68. Um, Emmers also has 100% takedown defense, um, so I, I kind of accept, expect this fight to stay standing. Um, there weren't, I couldn't find any uh, relevant stats on Velev, but Emmers uh, strikes with 4.96 strikes per minute with 52% accuracy, so I think this one will... Most likely go the distance unless Valev submits Emmers, but I can see, I feel like that's going to be hard just because Emmers has very good takedown defense and he'll just be able to stand and outstrike Valev here. Um, you just want me to hop into the next one, man? Go right ahead. I'm just going to say the first fight, um, 
is a bantamweight fight between Chris Gutierrez and Cody Durden. Gutierrez. Um, I'm assuming it's Cody Durden's uh, first UFC fight because he does have a picture uh, when I look at the fight card, so that typically means it's his first UFC fight. Um, so in terms of that regard, you lean Gutierrez, but I like neither of us did any research on it, yeah. so it's we don't lean. really have a, a lean on it as of now. Um, so the next fight that I kind of looked into was Eric Spicely and Marcus Perez. And these guys, they had very similar fighter profiles. I mean, uh, I, don't, I can't think, man, I did these notes a little while ago, but um, same kind of striking output, same kind of takedown attempts, things like that. Uh, this one was one that, as of right now, it's a toss-up for me just because I need more input. Um, I'm probably not going to touch this one at all, to be honest, just because very similar fighters, it's, it's really a coin flip in my opinion. But uh, how about you tell me about Ray Borg and Nate Maness? Yeah, Chris, so we've actually seen Ray Borg uh, since since quarantine started, since the whole pandemic and the cancellation of sports. He fought in one of the first UFC fight nights. Um, but Ray Borg has a 9-inch reach disadvantage, which is like impressive in its own right, the fact that he's his reach is 9-inch shorter. He must have some um, so- something. <laughs> but but Manus is making his UFC debut. Um, the no, deficit's gonna be in terms of reach is gonna be really hurt, hurt Borg in, in that sense. But he's got much more UFC experience. Like I said, Manus is making his UFC debut. Borg has fought in twelve total UFC fights, so it's not like he hasn't been in a, in a position where he has probably had a significant reach disadvantage because he's he, he clearly has shorter arms. Yeah, those um, arms. But I like this fight to go the distance if Borg wins. He's got T-Rex arms, exactly, Chris. Um, but I like, to, I like this fight to go the distance if Borg wins. Eight of his nine last fights have gone the distance when he's... So, I, if, so I'm probably going to bet Borg to win in by the decision. Um, and if Manus is gonna, will win, it's going to be by TKO. Uh, Borg is just a poor striker, uh, landing only 48% at a rate of 1.29 per minute, which is, like, terrible. Very, very like, if you're only landing one strike per minute in five-minute round, that's... Uh, I mean, so Borg clearly strikes. does enough with his kicks. And Borg clearly does enough with his kicks um, and does enough to get takedowns, most likely in his fights, to be able to get those wins in the decision. So that's why I think Manus is going to have to win by TKO. Um, so I'll probably bet Manus to win by TKO here and then Borg to win by decision. Uh, neither of these lines are actually out yet because they come out Friday night, uh, Thursday or Friday night before fight night. Um, but that's how I'm going to look at this fight. Uh, if I have to pick a, f- a winner, I'm leaning Borg just based off the UFC experience here. Nice. And, uh, yeah, you have the next couple, so why don't you just take take them away, man? Yeah, so this next one is Ranky Sainez versus Jonathan Martinez. Martinez is 13 years younger than his opponent, which equates to a 70% winning trend uh, with all fighters 13 years or younger, which is, like, ridiculous. Um, and they both fight at a, they both have high re, high rate strikes at 3.92 and 3.9 per minute, but the accuracy accuracy favors Martinez. He's 60% accurate with his strikes compared to uh, Ranky, who's 47%. But Ranky has the much better defense. He defends 57% of his punches, kicks thrown at him. He's got a 63% tackle defense. Where Martinez struggles, he's only got 33% takedown defense, which is 30% less than uh, Ranky. And his striking defense is 43%. So Martinez is getting out, is getting the punches, but he's not defending. And it's probably because of how young he is compared to Ranky, who's got a lot more experience in, in the mm-hmm. octagon. 
But I do like this fight to go to the distance. All these fighters, all these fight, uh, excuse me, all the fights between these two fighters have been won by decision. So they have yet to win by TKO or submission. And then Martinez's one loss is by decision. Ranky's uh, two out of his four losses have been by decision. So these guys tend to go the full, the full five, the full three rounds. I'm undecided between who wins this fight. Um, as Martinez has the age advantage, but Ranky has the defense advantage. I lean Martinez because of his age um, and his offensive accuracy. It's just we've seen it. Younger fighters typically are the winners. It's just they have the agility. They're a lot more fresher. Uh, they they don't have track. all the battle scars and the damage from from fighting in the octagon because we've seen these guys take abuse and just not look the same after a while. Um, and I think because of that, Martinez will get better in the full three round fight. Um, but I will like this. I'm definitely gonna bet this fight to go the distance at minimum. Nice. Great, great, uh, great analysis there. Um, yeah, and, and you you still have the next three, dude. <laughs> you did a whole lot of analysis this week. I I just did more of the undercard. Oh, I was I thought I did? Oh well. Um, <laughs> uh, but the next fight is for me, Chris is Holland versus Giles. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped. Uh, Lando Venata versus Bobby Green. Chris is the next fight, and this fight is gonna be a great fight. Let me tell you that. Uh, the last time these two fighters fought, it was incredible. I don't know if you watched any tape on it, Chris, but I recommend it. It was a battle back and forth. I thought Green was going to lose at one point. And I thought he was going to get knocked out in the first round. I thought Venata was going to get knocked out in the second round. And in the third round, I thought either one was going to get knocked out. They were just going back and forth. Tons of blood, tons of power on both sides. It went the distance and ended in a draw, actually. Mm. So it's a rare draw in UFC. Um but I think this time around, Green's going to get the victory. He's better at striking accuracy, 50% compared to 46%. Better striking rate at 5.11 to 4.96 per minute. And he stands out with his defense. He absorbs 1.21 less strikes than Ven- uh, Venata in- per minute. And his accuracy is 63% com- compared to 54% in terms of blocking his uh, his opponent's punches. The takedown defense for both fighters is, is pretty even, 76 and 70%. So I think this one's going to go the distance again unless because they both have iron chins. They've proved it in their last fight. This fight was insane. But I think Green being the better striker, defender, and I'm also pretty sure Green is younger, then I'm, I'm leaning Green in this one to, to, get, to win the round two. Nice. And um, I love a younger fighter uh, who, who, who can, like, dodge and, dodge and stuff. Um, Actually, I take it back. Green is older by five years. Oh, okay, I take it okay. Back. Green is older. I mean, what do you know when the last fight was? I can look it up real fast. It was it was a decent while ago. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it was UFC two sixteen, so two thousand seventeen. Oh, okay, okay, so a while ago. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I might have to take Venata here, just because. They were younger back then. Three years later, Green is another three years older than he was back then. This is going to be a close one for me. I'm definitely going to have to do my own research about this before I take anything here. Um, I mean, I totally agree, but I'm just I'm letting you know now. This is going to be a great fight. Yeah, you have to if watch watch the fight from 2017, and it it was it was incredible. The the reason it ended in the draw, I forget because I forget which fighter. One of the fighters got uh, 
lost two points. So that's what caused it to go to a draw at the end of the day. I believe it was green, um, but this fight was incredible. The iron chins on these guys was insane. I'm, I'm excited just to watch these two guys go bad at it because I think it's going to be a, a punching match. And there's not going to be many takedowns. Nice. All right. Man, you still got two more before I finish this out, so why don't you just, just hop <laughs> on to them? Yeah, so the next one is Kevin Holland versus Trevin Giles. Holland has a 7-inch reach advantage with a reach of 81 inches, Love which it. is insane. It's a it's a long-ass reach, reach, excuse me, but that equates to a 72% winning average trend. So Holland right now with the reach is, is clearly the guy you should be backing. But statistically, Giles is the better fighter. His offense is better. His takedown accuracy is 100% to 43%. His striking accuracy is 62% to 54%. And he trails trails and strikes strikes per minute at 4.23 to 4.35. But to me, that's not a whole lot different. With that takedown accuracy, you've got to give Giles a better offense. He also has the better defense. His takedown defense is 75% compared to 50%. His striking defense is 71% compared to 56%. And his absorption rate is a lot better at 1.83 compared to 2.73 for Holland. So right now, the statistics, the reach shows Holland. This offensive defense statistics show Giles. But now let's look at similar opponents here, Chris. They've both fought uh, Mirashart, who is the next fight that I'm, I'll talk about after this one. Holland beat Mirashart, where Giles lost to Mirashart. Holland won by decision, and Giles uh, was submitted in the third round. And Giles got submitted because he was an inexperienced UFC fighter. And he got caught. And he got caught. He got caught. He got caught with a bad submission. He turned the wrong way, and all of a sudden, he was getting choked out to the point where he was he passed out because the ref didn't the ref didn't see him tap. Damn. But in the end, here I'm I'm taking Giles to win this one. He he, he was going the majority of the fight. Uh, he was winning the majority of the fight between Mirashart uh, before getting submitted in the third round when he got stuck in the choke. I think Giles is the with the better takedown defense and the better striking. He's he's gonna win this fight. I'm looking for this fight to go the distance, and neither really have TKO capability, and neither really prefer submission. But I'm I'm taking Giles here. Yeah, he has the reach disadvantage. Um, but at the end of the day, he's the better striker, and at the end of the day, he's he's, he's just a better all-around fighter. Nice. Um, one thing that I think could be interesting to look at here is um. They're similar opponents, so like really look into the mirror short thing, um, like what his reach is and everything. I think that could be interesting to see if Giles was going up against somebody with a reach of with a reach disadvantage there, to see if that's why he ended up going for a takedown and stuff like that. You in two seconds. So he had a three point five reach disadvantage in that fight. Gotcha. And now he has... So it equates to about a 60, 62% chance of winning for Mirashart, who won up winning that fight. Gotcha. All right, so tell me a little bit more about Mirashart and uh, Ed Herman now. Yeah, so Mirashart in this one is seven years younger than Herman. Uh, younger is always a good edge for a fighter. We look at young, we look at age, we look at reach, um, and then we, we look at how, they actually, how they've won in the past as the big three, as the big three things, at least for me. And then I also take into account their offensive, defensive accuracies and things like that. Mearshart's going to look to win by submission. Four of us, five UFC wins, Chris, have been by submission. Mm-hmm. But Herman has a 60% takedown defense, so that's pretty good. Um, 
So Mershart's going to need to drop him, and I think it's and likely get to get to the grappling position, which is possible. 60% isn't like anything to brag about in terms of like 70 or the 100% that Giles has. Um, but 60% is still good enough where I don't, it's going to be tougher for Mershart to be able to get that takedown that he's looking for. Or Herman has done it all. He's won by TKO four times, won by submission four times, and even won by decision three times. So he can win in a multitude of ways. Um, combine that with his defense has been leading him to win this fight. Overall, I'm going to lean this fight not to go the distance. Mirashart has lost three out of four fights within the distance, and he's also won four out of his five fights within the distance. And then Herman has lost four out of nine within the distance. My lean here is on Herman to win. Um, I think he just wins inside the distance here. I think he's going to be able to get the TKO on Mirashart with his with his takedown defense. Mirashart's going to have to strike, which which isn't his strong suit, as in he was losing that fight between Giles until he was able until Giles. Uh, shot a double leg, failed to get it, and Mirashar was able to spin around, get the takedown, uh, get the reversal, and then was able to choke him out. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, I, I'm. I think I like Herman here too. Just the only thing is the age. <laughs> we know how that usually turns out, and that that's the only uh, part I'm a little shaky on. But otherwise, I, I like your analysis here. I I mean, Chris, I totally agree. Age is something to take into account. But we have seen, we saw that with the Trinaldo or Herbert fight, that Herbert uh, beat Trinaldo and he was, I think he was eight years younger, eight years older, excuse me. So it, it, age does fa age does factor, but we also have to look into how these fighters like to fight um, as well. And that's where I think Mirashart's going to mm -hmm. struggle. Gotcha. All right, so I'm going to talk now about uh, Calderwood and Maya. <laughs> I like Calderwood here. Yeah, Chris, end it for us. What'd you say? Take us home. So take us oh, home yeah, after I home. went through it. Um, I like Calderwood in this matchup. Uh, she has one inch, one extra inch of reach, and her striking output is very nice. 6.19 strikes per minute with a 47% accuracy compared to Maya's 4.5 strikes per minute with 38% accuracy. So, I mean, like, they're, they both have high rates of striking output, but um, Calderwood is, is a lot more accurate than Maya's here. And she's putting out more. So um, I also looked at her grappling game. She's uh, she's pretty solid in that too. 1.85 takedowns per 15 minutes with 56% accuracy. Um, and in, in fights or in women's fights, we usually see them go the distance. So I'm probably going to take Calderwood uh, to go the full distance but and to win by decision here. Um, all right. And I'm just going to hop down onto the next one. Vincent, Luke, Luke, <laughs> and Randy Brown. I like Luke here. Um, he does have a three-inch reach disadvantage, but his striking output, again, is what is appealing a lot to me. 5.56 strikes per minute with 53% accuracy. Um, but he does absorb a lot of damage with 5.79 strikes per minute. Um, I think the best bet here is for the fight not to go the distance because they could just stand and trade here and if you're getting hit 5.79 times per minute I like the fight not to go the distance here and then lastly yeah Chris so I just gotta say real fast I'm a Luke a guy here I think I, I really like I really like Luke a as a fighter overall um, I really don't think dis, the reach, reach disadvantage is gonna hurt him that much and just because of his striking output he's gonna he's Gonna get it in close enough range to be able to actually get those 5.56 strikes that he likes a lot. Yeah, he absorbs them, 
But I just think he I think he's the better striker in this one, so I like Luke a lot. Nice. Glad we're on the same page here. I'll probably throw on him then. <laughs> Alright, and for our main card, uh Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazan. Uh so little backstory, Derek Brunson is a southpaw fighter and he has three inches of reach and he's thirty six years old. Um Edmund is an Orthodox fighter who's twenty two years old with eleven straight wins. Not too shabby, you know. Um, Damn. Yeah, Brunson averages 3.39 strikes per minute with 45% accuracy. Edmund averages 4.11 strikes per minute with 52%. So he's striking more and they're accurate, more accurate. Um, Brunson also absorbs more damage um, with 2.9 strikes absorbed per minute with 54% blocked, while Edmund is absorbing way less with 2.16 strikes per minute with 62% defended. Um, so Edmund, his fights, he does go for a lot of takedowns with 6.77 per 15 minutes. And uh, Brunson has great takedown defense. So I, I think that we're going to see uh, them stand and strike here. Um, so one thing that does concern me is because Brunson does have reach um, and has great takedown defense. I can see him just hacking with leg kicks, weakening Edmund's base. Um, but I, I, I still like sh sh uh, Edmund here just because I can see him outstriking Brunson and for this to go to the distance. Um, so I'm taking him uh, on the money line within the distance, I think. Especially because it's a longer fight, too. The, the five-round fights make it easier. I mean, Chris, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, it, the, it was a perfect breakdown other than our notes, and I was just in complete agreement with you. The fact that Edmund is 22 years old with 11 straight wins, fighting a guy who's 14 years older, which we know equates to 70% winning trend in UFC, and he's a better striker and defender, it's it's so hard. It, like you, you really have to. I don't know what you're going to tell me that's going to tell me not to back Edmund in this one. The only thing that I like about Brunson is his is his stance. But I mean, we know Southpaw. It's not like Southpaw fighters are invincible. Like, Edmund's obviously exactly. going to be training, fighting an opponent in Southpaw for this event. So I feel like he'll be ready for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else to add today, man? Uh, I'm just gonna say, let's go Dodgers. Uh, I was a little worried when we started this podcast, Chris, but they're now up five to two. Oh, beautiful. Uh, going so into the glad. sixth inning. So, wait, did I take Dodgers? I believe I did. Let me let me check that. Real you, quick. you did. Me and you both took the Dodgers. Perfect. So all I'm gonna say is, let's go Dodgers. Let's get that dub. Let's get let's catch that ticket. Um, but keep following us on Twitter at Best Bad Bets. You'll see our daily post uh, for our bets for that day. We're gonna start to add some baseball. You start seeing some basketball, even some hockey as we get closer and closer to the hockey season to restart. Um, and maybe we might start even putting out some live bets that some live lines that we like. I I'm regretting right now not taking the Dodgers live at plus one hundred and sixty. I thought it was way too, way too, just way too easy for Vegas to give me that. Um, but yeah, we might maybe we'll start shooting out some live lines. Chris, what do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, man, I think that'd be super dope. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you were talking to me right before we started recording. Ooh, Dodgers there are <laughs> plus money right now. Should I take it? And I was like, I don't know, I, maybe <laughs> something like that. 
But um, yeah, uh, I think that uh, wraps up our episode for today. Um, we'll be back at you uh, next Monday with uh, next week's picks and everything like that. So stay tuned. Peace.